Hey guys, welcome to Pursuing Jesus Podcast. This is episode 20, and we are talking about how to live unoffended. How to live unoffended. Man, this is a, this is a huge topic, and it's something that many people struggle with. They, they deal with a spirit of offense, and many Christians even struggle with this. And so what I want to do is bring clarity to what it means biblically to die to yourself, to lay down even the right to be offended. A lot of times what happens is we justify our offense and we dig our heels in instead of going low, instead of humbling ourselves. And when we go low and when we take on humility, that's what Jesus looks like. And so that's what I want to get into today. First, I want to thank you for listening, man. You guys have just been so supportive, and uh, I want to thank you for that. Every stream, it matters, and it continues to bump us up. You know, I just saw uh, one of my friends on Instagram. It's a living Christian. He's got over a million followers, and his followers, they did a poll, and they ranked us in the top 10 podcasts that Christians listen to, and that was just so humbling to me, and I'm so thankful. So thanks for listening. Thanks for, for following the podcast. Thanks for sharing, um, reviewing, rating. It all matters. And as always, I want to invite you, if you don't already, you can partner with us for only $5 a month. That's what we're asking people to consider giving. You can give by clicking the description in your podcast. It should say support this podcast, or you can go on my website, shanewinnings.com, click give and sign up. We're only asking people to give $5 a month. Um, We don't need one person to take on the whole world, but if many people gather together, we can come up with a a budget that will help sustain us in our ministry efforts. We're doing a lot this year. We're traveling a lot, and we're funding a lot of that on our own. So every dollar matters, and I'm so thankful for all of you. And the ones who already partner with us, you guys are amazing. Thank you. I believe we have a 30 partners for this podcast right now that give between a dollar and five dollars and some uh, ten dollars. So thank you. Thank you. Now, living unoffended. How do we do it? Maybe you've heard die to your flesh. You've heard deny yourself. How do we do that? Well, first, it comes from recognizing that self is the problem. If you want to die to yourself, that means your eyes have to be off of yourself. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, first must deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow me. And we look at Adam and Eve. The first sign of sin in the garden was preservation of self. God asks Adam, did you eat from the tree? And he says, it was the woman you gave me. Points the blame, pushes it to Eve, trying to save his own skin, trying to protect himself. We look at self in the example of Peter denying Christ. He denies Christ when asked, Are you with that man? I've seen you with him. No, I'm not. He's trying to save himself. Second time, he, he denies it even more fiercely. And the third time, he, he, he denies it by cursing. He cursed. He was trying to save himself. And when you have self in mind, it's going to be very easy for you to fall victim to the spirit of offense and carry around a victim mentality. 
You might ask, how could Jesus possibly hang on the cross and say, Father, forgive them? They don't know what they're doing. Well, I'll tell you one thing. It wasn't because he was Jesus. You know, we use that a lot in the church. I've heard that spoken. Well, that was Jesus. And it's like he's this exception to the Christian life. When Jesus came to be the example of what a fallen world could look like if they walked in the truth of their creator, the truth of their created value, if they walked in their identity, if they knew their destiny, their purpose from heaven, he showed us what that looked like, and being filled with the Holy Spirit is the only way to do that, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you must be born again. So the first step to living unoffended is, listen, you got to get born again. Your flesh is sinful in nature. You're not going to be able to do this out of your own flesh. You could try as hard as you want to. Many other religions and followings, they try to teach people to, to get centered and to find themselves, and people will take a year off of work, and they'll go travel, and they'll climb the highest mountain. They'll go in the woods trying to find themselves. They'll go sail around the world trying to find themselves. But if you truly find yourself... It will be in the creation of the, what am I trying to say? It will be in, it will, it will not be in creation. It will be in the creator because you were made in God's image and Satan through sin has corrupted that image. And now you look nothing like you were designed to look and neither did I. I had to be born again so that I could know my Father. So you must be born again. Now, a lot of, like I said, a lot of Christians deal with offense. And it's something that, you know, we all have to work out. The Bible says we're all working out our salvation with fear and trembling. I pray that we are. I pray that we're never comfortable with our relationship with Jesus. We're always trying to get closer to him. We're always trying to look inward and say, God, what can I give you? What do I need to get rid of? What can you prune? Help me to be more like you. Help me to look like you, to talk like you, to act like you, to see the way you see. Now, when we come to Christ, we have to come humbly. And what happens in the world is that we give ourselves a justification to feel the way that we feel because someone shouldn't have done that to us. Someone shouldn't have said that to us. And we even say things like, you know, the people closest to you can hurt you the most. I never heard Jesus say that. In fact, the people that were closest to him all forsook him on the night that he was betrayed and it never caused him to lose identity or to become insecure. It didn't cause him to go hide out and, and, and ask for prayer and... and have a pity party. No. He forgave them. He even came and he later restored Peter and he he told them not to be afraid. Peace I, I, I give to you. Peace be upon you when he reappeared in the upper room. Jesus was not insecure. And so offense comes from insecurity and insecurity comes because you're not secure in who you are. And when you don't know who you are, you begin to look for who you are. And if it's not in the word of God, if it's not in prayer, if it's not looking towards the Father, then you're going to put expectations on other people that never should have been there. And frustration and complaining and all of these things come from unmet expectations. 
I'll say one reason why Jessica and I, my wife, we have such a great relationship is early on we realized, hey, we can't put expectations on each other. Now, that might sound radical. That might sound weird to you, like, okay, but I mean, you know, there's got to be an expectation to, like, pick up around the house or do that. No. Do I believe that she'll do those things because she loves me and she loves our home and she wants to steward it well? Yes, I believe that. And she's doing all things unto the Lord. You know, it says whether you're eating or drinking, whatever you're doing, do it unto the Lord. And so I am believing that Jessica is going to do her part because she is stewarding her responsibilities unto the Lord well. And if she's not, then I'll say, hey, you know, is everything okay? I noticed that you've been slacking here. She'll say that to me. Hey, is everything cool? I noticed that the dishes have been getting piled up. You know, is there something going on? Can I help you with anything? We have this great communication. We don't go, oh, wow, I can't believe that you left the dishes in the sink for two days in a row. Like, you know, I really kind of expect you to help me out around the house. And, you know, I got a lot going on. And when you don't do that kind of, you know, it's like it can sound smart. But if there's an expectation on there, then all of a sudden when it's not met, I can become frustrated. Now, listen, there's a difference between calling the best out of someone and you know, having an agreement that like, hey, you know, before we get married, we're going to make sure that each other is clean and we're going to make sure each other is, you know, they do chores and, and responsible and all of these things. But if I put expectations on my wife, then she has to live up to those. And if she doesn't, all of a sudden I can have a reason to be upset. Christ wasn't like that. Christ never put expectations on us that if we didn't meet them, all of a sudden he began to change his mind. And what can you imagine if Jesus had like debriefed in the middle of his ministry? Like he sat down and he's like, hey guys, come in, just bring it in. Listen, we're going to have to change some stuff up. I have, I've preached the best messages I could possibly think of. I mean, Sermon on the Mount, that was fire. You guys have to admit that was, there was some heavy revies in there and you know what, people, they, they said it was a hard teaching, and, and people haven't been liked what I've been doing, and I, listen, I'm healing the sick, I'm raising the dead, I'm cleansing the lepers, and they're calling me the devil, man, they're saying I'm doing this stuff by demons, and you know what, guys, I just, I don't know, and you know what, truth be told, all of you are going to forsake me and scatter at, when I'm betrayed, Judas, you're going you're gonna to hand me over for 30 pieces of silver, are you kidding me? Listen, I don't know. I need to go off and pray. I need to talk to the Father. I, I just don't know if this is if this is the right idea. And listen, many people, they're not even going to believe in me even when I do this. Even when I die for everyone's sins, they're going to reject me anyways. They're gonna, I'm going to be dead for thousands of years in their minds. They're not going to know that I'm alive. They're not even going to care. They're not going to care about the Father. Like, I, don't, I don't know about this whole plan. I need to go talk to God. Can you imagine if Jesus had done something like that? If he had put that kind of expectation that people would respond a certain way, and if they didn't, well, now he's got a bunch of reasons to start reconsidering things or maybe acting a different way. No, that's not what he did. He did not let people's inability to see who he was or why he was on the earth affect who he was or why he was on the earth. And so to tie all of this in, if I wake up and Jessica is just not doing well, and, and this doesn't happen, but I'm just saying, I'm using an example that might be easier for you to understand. 
if I wake up and let's just say my wife is just like totally out of it and she's just, she's having a rough time. The last thing she needs is me to come at her with a list of expectations that were unmet and now I'm letting her know why I'm upset about it. What she needs is to be pulled out of a pit. What she needs is someone to speak life into her because maybe things have just gotten a little overwhelming or you know how it goes when you miss one thing, you miss the second thing and all of a sudden you can start to feel like a failure and stuff starts to overwhelm you and then you begin to grade your own test and you don't like the way it's coming out and so you start to see yourself differently and that just creates more issues and the last thing you need is someone to come up and point all those things out. That's when you go up to someone and you say, hey, I've been noticing, you know, this and that, you know, the, the bed has not been made, you know, the dishes haven't been done, you, you haven't wanted to cook, you haven't wanted to do anything. And we share in these chores, but I'm talking about things that you see in your spouse that they're just not doing. You're not really, you know, you, you're kind of just sitting around all the time like, what's going on, you know? Talk to me, let's figure it out. What's making you feel this way? And you dig into it and you just speak life. Hey, listen, you are an amazing wife. You're an amazing friend. And I I just want to let you know that you are so loved by me. You're loved by God. You're holy. You're righteous. You're blameless in His sight. Look, I have no expectation on you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not holding anything against you. I'm not bitter because I've been doing extra stuff around the house. I love serving you and I'm serving the Lord as I serve you. I just want to make sure that you're good because I want to see you thriving. I want to see you living at the maximum capacity that God has called you to. And so listen, if there's anything that I can do to just help you see how valuable you are, how amazing you are, and get that fire in you again, please tell me what it is because I'm here for you. I'm never going anywhere. There's no expectation on you. You you can just be who you were created to be. Come on, let's 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 do this together. Let's pray. What if spouses talk to each other like that? But a lot of times what happens, and I I didn't even know I was going to take this path with offense, but I just feel like there's grace on it, so that's where we're going to go. A lot of times with spouses or relationships, we have these unmet expectations, but often they are uncommunicated expectations. And that's the real issue. You know, if, if Jessica and I sit down and we say, hey, um, anytime that I see the sink full, I'm going to get to it. And just so you know, if, if, if the sink is ever full and I don't get it done, well, you can know that something really important came up because, you know, I wasn't able to get to it. But I, I want you to always know that, man, if I see the, the sink full, I'm going to do it. I don't care if it's five days in a row. I'm going to commit to that. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Hey, if I ever see the trash full, I'll, I'll make sure I take it out. And, and maybe you have this plan, you know, you communicate these things together. And I think that's wonderful. That's fine. If you want to put an expectation on yourself, that's great. Or any expectations need to be communicated up front. What happens with a lot of couples that I notice, because I've done some counseling over the last two years, is that we have these expectations that are never communicated. And so all of the sudden... Our significant other is meant to live up to these this list of things that we need them to do or the ways we need them to act or things we need them to say to us. They have no idea they're supposed to be doing these things. Even if they're implied, I have learned that if you don't communicate, you can't hold someone accountable for what you haven't communicated. 
You can't hold someone accountable for something that's implied. It needs to be expressed. And so what happens is, hey, one thing, maybe not a big deal. Two things, maybe not a big deal. Oh, they didn't tell me they love me as much, which is a whole nother issue. I'll talk about that another day of why it's unhealthy to need to hear I love you. So write that down. That's going to be a, a bombshell of an episode, I think. Why needing to hear I love you is bad. But if we don't have these needs that we have being met, all of a sudden we start to have conversations in our mind with our spouse, and our spouse is not even a part of those conversations. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to have a conversation with someone, make sure they're in the room. Make sure they're hearing it. Not just in the room. Make sure they're hearing it. How many times have you rehearsed a conversation in your head with someone and you never actually said it to them? And by the time you got there, it was like you had a gun that was loaded with ammo of reasons why you're upset and you're just firing at them and they have no chance at, de- at defending themselves. That happens in relationships. And we justify it is the sad part. We justify it because we say, well, you should have done that, and you've always done this, and I can't believe that you wouldn't do that, and you see how hard I'm working, and you see how much I have to deal with, and I've got these kids, and you're doing this, and and it's like we're at war with each other. Why? We're offended because they didn't hold up their end of the deal. I'm so thankful that God never did that to us. I'm so thankful that Jesus never came with condemnation. In fact, John 3.17 says he didn't come into the world to condemn, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus does not hold things against us. The Bible even says that love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. How about that one? Love does not keep a record of wrongs. So if you have a hundred reasons why you're upset with your spouse, that might not be biblical. You're keeping a record of wrongs. I'm just saying that's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13. It doesn't keep account of a suffered wrong. Now, if you have an issue with someone, bring it up, but you can't hold all these things against your significant other, especially when they don't know about it. So you have to lay down self. Now, I spent a lot of time unpacking this and giving a bunch of examples, but I need you to to see how easy it is to fall into this. And so we can't even communicate rightly a lot of times with our own significant other or with our own family, but we hold an expectation on our nation to get along. And the majority of them are not born again and walking filled with the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Many people hold this standard for America or whatever country you're listening from. I I think it's safe to say that most people want unity in their country. Well, a lot of times we hold this expectation that my country should be doing better and and we should see all of these issues crushed and, and we should see unity happening and this person's not being loving and this person's not doing this. But if you were to actually look at your own life, you have bitterness or unforgiveness in your own family, in your own marriage. That's not for everybody listening, but a lot of people do. Listen, I've counseled a lot of people. I've counseled several hundred people over the last two years, many of them professing Christians, many of them walking in the Spirit, many of them offended. It just means that we haven't understood what it means to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. How can we be offended when the one that we follow was never offended? How could Jesus say, forgive them, God, they don't know what they're doing? 
because it says in the, in in uh I think it's in First John. Maybe it's four nineteen. I don't know. Forgive me. I don't remember where it is, but it's in the Bible, and it says, "If you don't love, you don't know God. If you don't love, you don't know God. You don't know God as well as you could." That's that's a straight hard truth. If you're not loving, that means that there is something about God that you don't understand. And Jesus knew that when these people were mocking him as he died. And so let me ask you a question. If someone doesn't know God, then how does that make you feel inside? One, let's talk about their eternity. If someone doesn't know God, what's going on with them after they die? Might not be a good thing. Let's say they are born again, but they don't know God as well as they could. What kind of life is it when someone really doesn't know God? If they don't know God, then they're living out of their flesh. You tell me what it's like to live out of your flesh, because I can tell you that it's miserable. When's the last time you looked at someone who was lashing out, or who was offending, or who was cursing or swearing at you or at people that you love? When's the last time you looked at them and said, Oh my gosh. Your heart is in such a bad place that it's causing you to do this. I, I don't say this to be rude or to be mean, but there's no way that you know God on an on a intimate level if this is how you're acting. And that tears me up inside because I know what it's like to not know God. I know that kind of life, and I even fear and I wonder, do you know God? Are you, are you saved? Are you born again? Has he saved you from sin and from death and from hell? And all of a sudden, you begin to care about others more than yourself, Philippians 2. All of a sudden, your heart begins to break for people instead of because of people. Listen, when Jesus was on the cross being mocked, the last thing he was thinking of was, how could they mock me? I did all this for them, and I'm, I'm even dying right now. They won't let me die in peace. I'm just, I'm, I'm hanging here. I'm in excruciating, agonizing pain. I'm not even recognizable, and they have the, the wherewithal to make fun of me. They won't even just let me die. Oh, I'll show them. Come on, Jesus never talked like that. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing because his heart broke because even in this moment as he laid his life down for the very people that killed him, they mocked him and he saw, God, they are so deceived. They don't know their identity. Lord, please don't hold this against them. You see that same thing happen in Stephen who was the first Christian martyr. He said, Lord, don't hold this against them. As they stoned him, he said, don't hold this against them. And he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And that's so significant because Jesus, the Bible says, is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's seated because the work is done. But when Stephen knew his identity, and he didn't just say what Jesus said on the cross to try to imitate his master, he had a revelation of the love of God. He had a revelation of his identity. He had a revelation that these guys didn't know God, and that's why they were stoning him, and that broke his heart, and he wanted them to be forgiven. And that's why he said, Lord, please don't hold this against these men. And that caused Jesus to stand. 
I could just see Jesus rising up from his throne and saying, well done, getting ready to welcome Stephen into heaven. And he died. That is living unoffended. You're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about others. Okay, so how do we do it? Maybe you hear all this and you're like, that's amazing. I need that. How do I do it? It's actually simple. It's through prayer. It's through getting in the word, but it's through prayer, praying the word over yourself every day. And I teach this in my book. I will always overcome. It's available on Amazon. It's available on my website. Ten bucks. I teach you how to do this, but I'm going to teach you right now. I'm going to give you a piece of it now. You get alone every day with God. I would do it in the morning because you can't go through the whole day and then try to pray and become unoffendable after you've already gone through the whole day exposing yourself to opportunities to be offended. I would seriously do this in the mornings, every morning. You pray the word over yourself. When you're offended, the problem isn't with the person, it's with yourself. You're the problem. If you're offended, you are the problem. Jesus was unoffendable. If he had been offended, that would have been his fault. Okay? So, if you find yourself getting offended, it's your fault. But it doesn't have to be. The Bible says we're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The reason that you've been getting offended is because you didn't have the knowledge of what it meant to live unoffended. I'm going to give you that knowledge right now. If the lack of knowledge causes destruction, then we get the knowledge, we stop the destruction. Amen? So, you get alone with God every day, in the morning, and all throughout the day, and at night, and always, but you start in the morning, and you say, Father, I thank you that you love me. Thank you. Thank you that you sent your son to die for me. You loved me even before the foundation of the world. Before the earth was formed, I was predestined to be conformed into the image of your son. I was predestined to look like Jesus before the earth was even formed. That was your plan, that was your desire, and that was your will for my life. And I thank you, God, that the Bible says that I love you because you first loved me. Thank you for loving me, God. You loved me when I was a sinner, when I was dead in my sin, I was heading to hell, I had no heart for you whatsoever. You demonstrated your love for me by sending Jesus to die on the cross. And Jesus, you chose to die because you said my life was valuable, my life was precious to you, and that I was the joy set before you. And so, Father, I thank you that right now I receive your love. You say that I'm a son. I agree with you. I even confess I am a son of God. I am a child of God. You've called me a friend where I was once your enemy. Thank you, God. I am friends with the King. I am friends with the Lord of Lords. Thank you, God. It does not matter what anyone says to me today. You have already spoken about me by sending your son. It doesn't matter if no one says anything nice to me, if no one acknowledges me today, if I'm completely ignored, you have never ignored me a day in my life. You see everything I do. Your word says when I rise, when I lay down, when I come, when I go. Lord, everything about me you know, you see, and you care about. You know a word before it's on my tongue. I am so known and I am so seen by you, God. I do not need the affirmation of man. I have the affirmation of my Father in heaven. 
Thank you, God. And if someone says something bad to me today, God, I thank you. You'll show me that it's because they don't know you. They don't know who they are, and that's why they lash out. And God, I pray that you would break my heart for people and that I would never consider myself. Love doesn't seek its own. Love doesn't keep account of a suffered wrong. And I ask you to help me today to become that. I don't just want to apply the scriptures to my life. I want to become the scriptures. Father, thanks for loving me. Thanks that everywhere I go today, you're with me. You live inside of me. And I was created to shine for you. It doesn't matter what comes my way. I'm going to shine for you brightly, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. That is how I pray. Every day I pray like that all day, but I make time in the morning to pray like that. And guys, that was just a minute of what my intimate time with the Lord looks like. And that could go on for an hour, for two hours, for three hours. Literally, it has before because I had the time and and I was just led by the Spirit. And I just tell you, go get alone with God and be led by the Spirit. Just be led by the Spirit. But to pray that way, you also need to know the Word because Maybe some of you picked up on it, and maybe some of you didn't. A lot of what I was praying was the scriptures. You can't pray the word over yourself if you don't know the word. It's so important to get into the word, guys. And those prayers, they they come out of the Psalms, they come out of the Proverbs, they come out of Genesis, but a lot of them come out of the New Testament. They come out of Colossians and Ephesians and Philippians and Corinthians. Colossians 1.21, I was alienated, I was hostile towards God, but he has now reconciled me through his flesh, through death on the cross, to be presented before him as holy, blameless, and righteous in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith. I am holy, blameless, and righteous in the sight of God. Thanks for loving me, God. You never changed your mind about me. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, I am holy, I am blameless, I am righteous, God. Not of my own doing. I could never earn it, but Lord, you freely gave me that gift, and thank you for loving me. That's Colossians 121. Psalm 139, great, great prayer about being known and seen by God. I used to pray that over myself three times a day, morning, noon, and night. And I remember like the sixth day that I was doing it, I was just praying it over myself like I did every day. And at noon, I I got halfway through Psalm 139 and I broke down into tears because it started to become a revelation, not just something that I was reading. Many of these prayers, guys, Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. These verses are so important to know. You have to get into your Bible. When you begin to pray that way, guess what? You walk out of your front door, you are so aware of who you are, who God is, who he says you are, that that's all you're thinking and you're just thinking Christ. And when someone comes at you sideways, you're not all of a sudden up for sale. You've been bought with the price. So your identity is not up for grabs. It's already secure in Christ. And the more you do that, the more you get a revelation of who you really are. And you're just going to be okay. And when those people are coming at you sideways, you can just say, man, why are you acting this way? Listen, can, can I pray for you? There's no way that you have peace in your heart by the way that you're acting. And I don't say that to be rude or mean, but listen, I have found peace in Christ and I'd love to tell you about him. Dude, that will send people spinning. They will flip out when they are freaking out on you and you respond that calm and your heart is pure and you're not trying to stick it to them or be extra soft in your voice and be all Christian like when you're just being genuine when I was a cop and people would freak out on me that's how I'd respond and they would lose it even more that's because there's demons that are oppressing them and when you respond with the gospel and a heart of love they they freak out they manifest they don't know how to respond 
That's how we're going to see this world changed. But it starts with you. So if you want to live unoffended, get into the word, pray it over yourself. And for those of you in relationships or married, seriously take these things into account, what I've said. One, make sure that any expectations you're going to put on each other are explicitly expressed. Make sure you both agree. If you're going to put an expectation on each other, you both need to be down. I'll even go this far. I don't expect my wife to never cheat on me. Now, she has told me that she won't, and I believed her, but my hope is not in my wife to uphold her into the deal. My hope is in Christ. And if that were to ever happen, I would seriously pray for my wife because what kind of heart position would she have if she were to go out and do something like that? If I were to go out and do something like that, what condition would my heart be in? Not a good one. And so I would, the last thing I would be is offended on how my wife could do this to me. We have a child together. We have a ministry. We have all these things. How could you do this to us? No. I'd say, honey, what is going on in your heart? What would make you do something like that? Listen, I, I'm here for you. I'm not going anywhere. I love you. I want to see you restored. This is not who you are. You are a holy, righteous, and blameless girl. You're my sweet girl. Let, let's figure out what's happening. That is the love of Jesus, and that's offensive to a lot of people. I grew up believing, man, if I ever get cheated on, I'm done. That's an easy one. I'm out. And I would even have the Bible verse to back it up. Well, this verse says if you're ever... Uh, you know, if there's ever an affair or adultery or immorality, um, you got, you can cut ties. Guys, I'm not using the Bible to try to figure out how to get out of a hard situation. I'm looking at Christ who never did. I'm looking at becoming like Christ so I can press in in times that are tough. But I thank God that I married the right woman, and I believe that neither one of us will ever fail each other in that area. But I'm not too proud to ever say, we're not susceptible to any temptation or any plans of the enemy. And that fear of the Lord leads us to get on our knees and pray every day that God would keep us and sustain us and keep us close. You can never get too comfortable to think that something can't happen to you. And it goes the same with living unoffended. You can never just think, well... I've arrived and I'm unoffendable now, so I don't need to pray and I don't need to spend time in the Word and I can just... No. Jesus himself said, I can do nothing apart from the Father. It's the Father who dwells in me that does this stuff. We have to have that same understanding that, man, it is the Lord who is working in us and we have to yield to him every day. I can do nothing apart from Christ. So let's be like him today. Listen, I want to encourage you, if this spoke to you at all, share it. Share it with someone. Send it to someone. Maybe someone who's been having issues in this area, and you're like, hey, I think this could help you. If you want to help us reach more people, give it a like on whatever platform you're, you're listening on, and give it a rating. Give it a review on Apple. You can leave a written review. It really makes a difference. I mentioned my book, I Will Always Overcome, 10 bucks on Amazon or on my website. An incredible school you need to check out is Faith International University. It's an accredited Bible college. You can go to school online at your own pace. Literally, go to class when you need to go to class. 
get your homework done by the end of the week. Like it's amazing, especially if you have a busy schedule. Many of our missionaries are doing it and, um, they have a, a bachelor's, master's, doctoral programs. It's incredible. So check it out at faithiu.edu. We're holding a historic, massive stadium gathering on September 3rd in Frisco, Texas. One Voice Student Missions with the Jesus Clubs, Lou Engel, Upper Room. I'm calling on a 1,000 youth and parents from every state. Come gather with us. Get your plane tickets now while they're cheap. The event itself is free. You just got to pay to get yourself out here and have a place to stay for a night. It's going to be historic. We are believing for God in prayer to be put back in schools because 60 years ago, the courts took it out. You can follow me for more info on Instagram and TikTok at Shane.Winnings or on YouTube at Shane Winnings. And of course, as always, I'm going to pray for healing. So if you have an issue in your body, just hover your hand over that place and I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you love us so much. And you care. Romans 8 even says that you give strength to our mortal bodies. And that we were saved by you, Jesus. And that word also means healed and delivered, set free. And so right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command every sickness at the sound of my voice, every bit of pain, every limitation to leave, every spirit of infirmity, go now in Jesus' name. Body, be healed for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys, and we'll see you next time.